Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy Gill with the James Exchange, and I have Debbie Smith, who is the current president of the Scottsville Chamber of Commerce with me today. And Debbie has the distinct privilege, I would say, of having grown up in Scottsville. She did leave the area for a little while while pursuing a career on the federal level, and she'll talk a little bit about that. So, Debbie, welcome. Hi, how are you? Doing well. So I mentioned in the introduction that you actually grew up in Scottsville. Tell us what it was like growing up in the time in which you were in your formative years. Scottsville was a lot different back then. My grandparents, my grandmother, and my great aunt and uncle at the time lived in like a three mile radius. So it was a lot of family going to Scottsville Baptist Church and being involved there. And as far as businesses, there was a grocery store, a clothing store, just a diverse types of businesses in Scottsville. You know, so there was some competition there, more so than we have right now. You know, as a kid, you're just like, hey, if everything's going well, you're happy. And, you know, everything went well. So I just enjoyed it and, and got my love of gardening back then. I think it started then. I just loved watching things grow and everything, having my hands in the dirt. And I was very, very fortunate. My grandfather was a lifelong farmer, so I got to watch him and what he did. My great aunt and uncle had a farm along with working at the rubber plant, and I got to watch them. And probably every adult will say, and I wish I'd paid more attention. And, and my other grandmother that lived, you know, on the, the hill there, Poplar Springs Road, Everything she touched turned green. So I don't want to get into your career right now, but basically you are farming now and you are a past farmer's market manager, but you also have a booth at the farmer's mm -hmm. market. Mm -hmm. While you were living in the Washington, D.C. area, did you do any farming or did you have plants? I did, and I play at farming. You know, in Arlington, there's not a lot of green space and that sense of a yard a backyard to have a garden but they have a lot of community gardens where you could rent a spot and actually garden and I did that for many years just enjoyed it and I started beekeeping in Arlington as well had a lot more luck with my bees in northern Virginia than I have here but they're doing fine the manicured lawns it's everybody has flowers trees are blooming they had a lot and people they weren't using a lot of pesticides or any type of pollinator harming chemicals on the lawns. So they did, did well there. That's interesting that your bees did better in Northern Virginia than in the rural. Well, they did have to compete with the big farms, fertilizers and uh, pesticides and everything. I think that has a lot to do with it. In Central Virginia, weather, we can have 70, 75 degrees day in the winter. Mm -hmm. And they're out doing their thing. They come back in the hive, moisture builds up, condensation builds up. That night it hits freezing and they're gone. They're sensitive little creatures. They are. They are. But they're tough too. They do well on their own. They know what to do. I, I say now the emphasis is on keeping. You know, you <laughs> they know what they're doing. You need to make sure you keep them in a way that's, that's good for them. So we're talking about all of these growing things, and you mentioned Northern Virginia, and I know that you worked for the federal government throughout your career. Can mm -hmm. you just give us some high points on some of your successes there and 
give us an insight into the way you see certain government agencies work? You know, that's a loaded question. I started at the Pentagon as an intern. They're called summer hires. Ended up staying at the Pentagon for almost 20 years. We supported all the executive offices there at the Pentagon, Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force. I learned more because of the diversity of what we were buying, not only the military, but operations, food service, janitorial service, um, that kind of stuff. And when I left, I never got out of, in some people's minds, that summer hire, that intern, even though I had worked my way up through different grades and, and different jobs and levels of responsibility, but it was just time for something different. And I had an opportunity that came to me to come work for the IRS, the Department of Treasury. Let me just right now preface it with saying I did not collect taxes. I spent tax dollars. Nobody likes paying taxes, myself included. People don't go far enough to say that's how the government operates. That is the sole department that collects money to fund everything else that the government does is responsible for. I had opportunity to go to Homeland Security, great opportunity. You know, I got to work with the Border Patrol and Customs and learned a lot there about how the whole Homeland Security was put together in a short amount of time after 9-11. And the Border Patrol, they do a phenomenal job. A lot of people, well, so many get in, so many get in, but so many are stopped. Mm-hmm. And, and and turned around. That That's what they do. That's when George W. Bush was president. He attempted to build a wall on the southern border. Building a wall is not a new thing. <laughs> it's, you know, it's been around for a while. It's interesting because of the personality of, you know, the agents. You know, you wanted to make their jobs easier. So we did a lot with cameras and notifications, you know, if something set off the alarm or, or whatever, they could they could go to a point because securing the border, it's almost impossible. We'll never have enough border agents to do that single-handedly. So it has to be more electronic notifications and cameras and different things like that. It's more a technical support is what they need. More agents is always good, but but at any rate, you know, I got to see detention centers and I got to see border between Arizona and Mexico. And to see that terrain that these people are walking over for days with their kids and whatever they can carry on their back changes your perspective, what they're willing to do to get away from a bad situation. Many die on the trip. It's a tough journey. Pentagon was my favorite. The United States Mint was my next favorite. It was just a cool job. The the responsibility, our goals and what we what we were doing and what we made. Not a lot of government departments or agencies make anything tangible. You pay your taxes and it goes <laughs> to what all these types of projects and you never, as a citizen, you never see anything. But pull the change out of your pocket. That is what the Mint does and, and does very well. And it was just the, the best experience. The Mint and, and my my group, I was responsible for um, the contracting shop at, at, at the headquarters in DC and oversaw 
what was being done with the smaller uh, procurement shops at all the manufacturing facilities. It was a $3 billion uh, budget we had every year. And that's with a B. That's, that's a lot of money. It's a little more in pocket change. And we were buying all the precious metal blanks. You know, the gold was silver, platinum, whatever they were needed, whatever needed to be done. You know, not a lot of people can say, oh, I went to the West Point Mint and got to go in their gold and silver vaults. And it was just amazing to see the amount of gold sitting in a vault waiting to be made into a to a collectible coin. The Mint is a, they, they're self-supporting in a way. They, op, they do get some federal funding, but a lot of the funding for the Mint projects and whatever they need is generated by the Mint, by the coins. If they can keep a nickel under a nickel, you know, that's how they make their money. They keep a quarter under a quarter to, to make. It was sort of the wild, wild west when I got there. It's like, well, we don't have any rules when we do this, that, and other. It's like, well, no, you know, we do have some rules. This is something that, you know, we, it's not our money. We have to be responsible for it. And so it was a little bit of a learning curve there for myself and everyone else, because I had never worked at a, a non-appropriated activity. I was not counting the years when I started with the government. I knew when I was going to retire and work towards that the whole time. Every department does things a little differently. They don't like to work together. They, you know, it's stovepipes you have to break down and mm-hmm. communicate. I, you know, I've learned that through my whole career. I think it's like, get the word out there. The good and the bad news, if a situation's going south or a project's going south, you have to communicate that because it's not going to get better by being ignored. My philosophy as a manager, you're responsible for making your employees employable somewhere else, you know, helping them grow, helping them learn. Well, it sounds like your paid career really set you up for your volunteer career in Scottsville, because now you are the president of the Scottsville Chamber of Commerce. Wonderful, you know, dedicated volunteers, because that's, that's, what the how the chamber runs no, is no one paid and everybody on the board and and everybody that cares to join the chamber wants the best for Scottsville and what's best for Scottsville will be the best for businesses we've gotten together a few times unfortunately <laughs> we had to deal with COVID for a couple of years so everything just kind of grind almost grounded to a halt and last year Myself and James Walker, who's the vice president, I think between the two of us, we're trying to define for the board members different committees, like membership events that people can build small committees, get involvement from the members and build on skills that we don't have that and help the chamber grow and support the businesses like they should be supported. And we're not there. You know, we've made a start. It's Well, it, a reboot, you know, and I hate mm-hmm. to use that word because it doesn't mean any done wrong or, but it was COVID stopped a lot of functions that mm-hmm. the chamber had and the ability to have them. We were lucky enough last month to be able to do a little meet and greet, you know, it's a general members meeting. And I want to be able to do that every quarter. There's a lot happening. There's, you know, a lot of growth, a lot of diverse shops in Scottsville. And I think just more to come. How do you engage people 
that's one of the challenges we have, and I don't think it's unique. What do you expect from the chamber? You know, what do you want us to focus on? Because we can have a thought, and it may not be something that the businesses feel that are going to be uh, beneficial to them. This year, we're going to host the holiday happenings. It'll be December 10th. That'll be an opportunity for all businesses to be open later. It's more of a craft type, you know, that people can get a start, if not a start, help them with their Christmas shopping. You know, I'm usually that 23rd or 24th of December type shopper. <laughs> There'll be some neat things. I mean, we have people with a lot of talent in Scottsville and they are proud of what they do when people come out, support local, support their neighbor. I think the chamber's responsibility is to help the predominantly all small businesses in Scottsville. They're doing great, but they could all do better and shop, support them before you Go to Charlottesville, go to Richmond, wherever. Well, some things you have to, but there, there's a lot of neat businesses in Scottsville and restaurants, you know. Yeah. So, so also you talk about the membership being businesses, but individuals can also join, can they not? Yes, we decided that last year, first of the year, we had a membership drive. We posted something in the Rural Virginian took flyers around. I personally walked the, not flyers, but the applications around to all the businesses, all the new businesses. We had new businesses open in Scottsville during the, the throes of COVID. The closings, we had new businesses coming, which is a strength for Scottsville. And we got new members. We have a student membership that if anyone's in in high school, starting college, and they have a an interest in the chamber and, and how all of that works. I think for $20, they can join and just see you know, how town functions. So we, we have that link and the, the event coming up in December, we are working with SCAN and the town. Scottsville so small. You, you tend to see the same volunteers in multiple groups, multiple or organizations. <laughs> So it's just nice for, for us all to be in communication and work together and, and support Scottsville in any way you can. I mean, I'm also a big believer, you know, if you see something wrong, don't just sit and complain about it. Get up and do something. Try to try to be a positive, not a, a drag it down or make it worse by spreading rumors that you don't have all the information for. You just heard someone say it. It takes on a life of its own. So I would invite anyone that wants to be a part of the chamber in any way. You know, you don't have to be, uh, uh, have a position with the chamber. You can, you know, you can be a member, bring your strengths and however, and how, whatever support you need or we need or, or whatever. If you have a, a background in, in IT or if you have a background in marketing, if you have a background in social media, whatever, we can use that. And so can the town, so can scan, so can many businesses. So I want to close out with this one thing. We've touched upon community. We've touched upon volunteerism and how the two more or less coincide. We've talked about your expansive career experience, but what we haven't talked about is the looming issue confronting the town of Scottsville now, and that is growth. So how do you see bringing together new residents with the the character that Scottsville is today. And by character, I mean those things that you have said, helping people, 
being involved, supporting the local businesses, all of that stuff, which leads to, I believe, defines the character of a community. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the development, the one project that's been approved, they were met with a lot of questions, a lot of, you know, the rumor mill got that rolling with the proposal that's on the table now is going to add to that. I think, well, first, let me say, I think this is good for Scottsville. I think this is a real benefit if it is handled appropriately. I think more people will utilize the businesses, utilize the restaurants that, that are currently here in Scottsville. It's likely to bring more businesses to open up in Scottsville. There are some empty spaces. The, the absentee property owners need to really strongly consider, instead of having your building set empty, you know, consider working with a potential business owner. That the growth and, well, you know, what's good for Scottsdale as a town will be good for each business. And I think, you know, and also the property owners. The upcoming public hearing with to discuss the rezoning of the old uh, tire plant. Now, when I was a kid, that thing was full bore going. Actually, my dad worked there when I was just an infant, just a baby. And uh, so it's been around for a while because, it's you know, <laughs> I haven't been a baby for a long time. So I, I think it's a good use of that that space. No one is really knocking the door down to develop that space, to renovate it. It's just sitting there falling in dis disarray. Mm -hmm. And it will continue to do that to a point that a possible developer, oh, this is too much work. I don't want to do this. I don't want to put my money into this. It's the rezoning is a first step in, in a long process. I think people need to, a place to live. I think this, this will help that. Where there are rental properties, there's not, they're scattered throughout the area, the potential Scottsville loss. I think we'll just be good for the town overall. And I guess my concern mostly is that I want it to be a positive change mm -hmm. for the business, for the for the citizens. It could double the census in Scottsville. Just the the rubber plant project. Mm -hmm. it, it, a good point was brought to me yesterday. The Scottsville school, the renovations on the school will make it possible for any families of school-age kids could be absorbed in that school with little to no changes, additional renovations. It is, it's done. But there are other infrastructure things that in time will have to be addressed and have to be changed. It's growth. It's income to the town. It's I just more of a sense of community. I, you know, as being at the market, both as a manager and as a vendor, when I hear people, oh, we just moved here. Are we, yeah, we're thinking about buying property or we bought property we're moving in three months or six months or whatever my first question to them is always well why Scottsville and they all have pretty much the same answer we love the location we love the people we like being oh everything the near the river we need we like the the closeness of doctors and hospitals and healthcare in Charlottesville you know I think as people that live here or have lived here all their life, they lose sight of that, you know, that people want to move here. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, there are people <laughs> that don't like it, but nothing stays the same. Change is going to happen. 
with or without your acceptance. And that, that's just words of wisdom for life. And I think that if people could just step back and look at Scottsville and all it has to offer, you know, the history, again, all the outdoor activities that it has to offer. Uh, you can play tennis, you can, you know, there's parks, there are a number of green spaces that you can hang out at. It, it's, that's a draw. That's a draw for people, you know, and I, I want Scottsville to be more of a destination place than just someone drives through going to work and you, you know, you shop in Charlottesville, you order food and pick it, pick it up in Charlottesville and, and take, bring it home. I want, I want to, for Scottsville to be a destination that people want to come to. And it is, I mean, we have two establishments that sort of right along um, Valley Street on both ends of Valley Street, you know, people, and I call them leaf people, affectionately call them leaf people, that in the fall, and we're getting ready to, to see this, that they come to look at leaves and all the, all the colors and everything, they, they'll stop and eat, they'll stop and drink, they'll, and if they're there, well, let's walk around and see what else there is to do in Scottsville. And shops are open. And I would like to see that played up more, you know, be more of a marketing, used as marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Scottsville just has a lot, lot to offer. And, and people that are here every day, you may not see it, but there are people that are moving to the area anyway. Why not have space right in Scottsville where they can live and thrive and yeah, they still might go to Charlottesville for work, but have opportunities that, hey, they're not going to bring food from Charlottesville. You know, they may not do their shopping there. They may, you know, tend to shop for what they can in Scottsville. And that's, that'll be good for businesses and good for the town. Well, Debbie, it's been a pleasure talking with you this morning. And for our listeners, this is Debbie and I had our conversation on Tuesday morning. And so, Debbie, thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy. Lots of good information here. Okay. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck with everything. Okay.